Welcome to the Spotlight Podcast, where we shine a light on discovering anything and everything in the world of community spaces. We focus on parks and rec, athletic complexes, schools, and other community organizations in order to understand how people, teams, and businesses are finding and using shared spaces. Our goal: to foster greater accessibility for all humans to the amazing spaces around us. Welcome to the Spotlight Podcast. We're your hosts, Ashley and Jared, and joining us is James Jackson, founder of Spots. Spots is a subscription-based software solution that allows users to publish and manage reservable space for their community to search and book. Today, we're going to be talking about what makes Spots different from other software in their target markets, and again, today for the Parks and Recs world. Yeah. So as Jared said, I'm Ashley, the other host. And when I first joined the Spots team a little while back, I did some research just to see how big this industry actually is. And I found a document that, according to Margaret Walls of the Backgrounder, there are roughly seventy-two thousand nine hundred fifty-eight parks in America and fourteen thousand two hundred forty-three recreational spaces. Um, so as you can see, this is a huge industry. So James, before we get into our topic today, could you give us a a little bit of a background of um, how spots came to be, because clearly the demand is here in this industry. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. I appreciate that. Um, how spots came to be is kind of an interesting story in that there was another software out there under a different name that was really focused on on just private athletic spaces. And having a little bit of experience on that in the, the past, I want to. Um, acquire and reposition that company to focus on the bigger market of just community spaces in general. Um, so I think, you know, it was more my passion on athletics and, and, and basketball and all the different things I coached in the past and, and the kids that I had been involved with. And then just learning how much there was around me. You go on a bike ride and you see a million parks and you see different facilities and spaces that I had never even known about. And I really wanted to figure out how we make that more public, get everybody on the same page and, and give people better access uh, to the amazing spaces around them. Well, that sounds awesome. And I agree too, even when I'm going out, like just being aware of, of what's around you, most people don't even realize how many of these spaces are available to them. Um, James, from what we know about spots, there's two core main uh, target audiences for the for this system. There's the obviously the community side, and then there's the the teams of people, the organizations that need to support and handle the operations and the management of these open spaces and these facilities. Uh, we're hoping you can maybe shed some more detail on that specifically for Parks and Recs. Um, I know. Let's start with the community benefits first. Um, can you talk a little bit about a community first approach? Yeah, so when you look at a lot of the software and different tools in the space, uh, you know, they're really focused on managing the organization themselves. So a lot of it's about how do I run a parks rec organization or a private sports facility or, or whatever it may be. And then their spaces and access to the community is really varied. Everything from, you know, you hear stories of people rent spaces and find spaces and have to, have to still deal with carbon copies or spreadsheets on up to you know, some online tools that are more focused on booking, really want to focus on how do we highlight those amazing spaces in one mobile-friendly platform that everybody can see. You can go find what you're looking for, whether it's a soccer field, it's a community space to celebrate grandma's birthday, you know, whatever it might be. How do we showcase that and then let everyone access that, see the pricing, see the amenities, 
be able to grab it and move on with their day without having to make a bunch of different phone calls or logging into multiple systems at different parts organizations to find the types of things that they like. So it was really around that communication and showcasing to the industry in a really easy format. Cool. It sounds like it's pretty um, COVID friendly as well for the time we're living in. Like everything can be done online and there's no need for money or paperwork to be exchanged, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's, it's kind of a unique benefit given the times that that wasn't something people asked a lot about, you know, even six, eight months ago. Um, But we help them manage, they can set their own capacities. Um, you know, even if, whether it's 25%, they can easily change that, communicate, you know, latest COVID policies with the end user, um, and really just keep that separation. Not that we don't wish we could all hug and be together and have those types of fun moments, but given the current times, um, being able to not have people come into a park office where they may not even have their people in the office right now, so they just had to stop rentals, where they could still publish that somebody go online and get a credit card and go do something fun and get out of, get out in open space and go play in a socially, you know, responsible manner. Um, that's been a great benefit to the system. And, and we're hearing a lot of uh, excited people about being able to offer that and, and basically open back up where they otherwise didn't have a mechanism to do that. Uh, great, great point to the, the socially responsible. I mean, clearly our effort too of doing this first first episode of via a zoom call versus normally we'd be at a location or on site which hopefully we can get to soon but you know everyone trying to do their part and make sure uh again for businesses being able to open and and uh, we'll share some stats too uh, when we post this and this will be a follow-up episode but just all the benefits um we're a member of the nrpa and uh, the national recreation parks association where there's all sorts of sound evidence proving that these open spaces and facilities of how that benefits people's um, mental well-being, making sure you can still get out and get active. So between whether it's open spaces or businesses, making sure that people have that, that safe option out there that they can still operate. So uh, super important to stay more than ever. Another one that we want to talk about too, James, is just uh, this kind of plays well into the, the COVID-friendly approach too, but just a meaningful way to stay in touch communications in any industry is, is crucial to success. Can you tell us a little bit about how spots kind of bridges the gap of being able to reach out to communities and what that means for them to get the information they need? Yeah, I, you know, there's a, there's a few ways to look at that. I think, first of all, it's just finding what you want, when you want and where you want and how you want. Like, I mean, we, we all have that, um, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of used to the web and being able to find what we want and get answers quickly. Um, and that's not always the case in a, in a park system where, in some cases, limited staff or not necessarily even set, to, set up to work remotely. So, you know, being able to find the information they want without having to get a hold of an actual person, um, it, you know, that's kind of critical. Um, but just the, the ability to engage and find some other ways to play. I think a, a, a great example of, of some of these things that you don't even realize are going on and is, you know, when we worked with Madison Parks, they have an organization, Madison Ultimate Frisbee Association, who books 4,500 hours of park space a year to play. You know, that's a back and forth process. So given COVID times, that creates a, a challenge when it's been three week process of email back and forth. And then you don't know which person you reached that day. And, and is all the information you already covered, do they have that? Or is that living in a single person's inbox? You know, we have threaded messaging, so everybody can see the conversations that's going on within the system. But more importantly, um, by, by going onto our platform, you know, that took 
three weeks of going back and forth in email with the exec director of the Frisbee Association um, now to, to book their time, it became a, a one hour thing. The exec director had all 4,500 hours laid out, scheduled, it updates that the, the park spaces aren't available to anyone else because they've already reserved it. They invoice them separately versus paying for a credit card because it was such a, a large chunk of time. So it saves everybody time, money, headache. It's COVID friendly and safe. Um, and just brings some efficiency back to the parks and rec who are oftentimes, especially now, you know, squeezed by budgets and just don't have the people resources to handle things like that. So there's a lot of benefits to it, but you know, the, the real like stories it. are kind of the most fun for us. For sure. So um, one thing about the spots that sounds like makes it unique is that if I wanted to search for a facility in an area, it's going to show me all the facilities and I don't need to look each individual organization, right? That's exactly right. And that's, that's kind of where we like to have as much um, inventory on there as, as possible, right? I mean, in a traditional sense, you could be looking for a park in you know, let's say Naperville outside of Chicago and and you, you may go on their website and look for what's available and, and you may not find anything for the particular time you're, you're looking for. So you go to a neighboring community, if I have them right, you know, like an Aurora or something, I have to log into that district and I'll look at what they have available versus can I just filter and search for the type of space I want in one place, have it serve them all up and then I pick and choose what meets my needs the most while showcasing everything that's around me. So. I also like the side of that where you may think you want a field to, you're trying to get an idea for a birthday party or whatever, and you may want a baseball diamond, but you start searching open fields and spaces and you see a bunch of unique things you never thought of. Um, you know, whether it's hiking trails or, or a ultimate Frisbee or some other type of event that you could be part of that you wouldn't have thought about otherwise, but since the information is served to you, it gives you some new creative ideas. My next question, I just want to go one step further with something you've already talked about, the search learn and book phase uh, of this too. I mean, uh, the picture I paint is even one that's familiar to me. I have two young children and we're not quite at the phase where I need to get involved with coaching, but you know, I have other friends and family and, and I've even helped coach in little leagues myself too. And James, from my understanding, you were a coach and I know we've got a question for you later on that as well. But the, um, you know, everyone's a working professional. Everyone's fighting for time and energy and just being able to find where you want to be. Um, you know, if you've got to do, if you've got to find a practice field for soccer, if you need to find the next event for a, a family thing or a business trip, or we're a safe place to work now, especially when everyone's kind of working remote, like the time and energy that no one factors is everyone just assumes I'll find it off a simple Google search. And even that is actually quite hard to do the inconsistencies of how people list their information and where they're, and then uh, availability and double bookings and in, in that back and forth management. That's uh, a huge miscalculation on everyone's part. So having, a tool that you can learn those things quickly and find it and it's accurate and it's real time. And that's really what we're talking about here. You've answered a lot of that now, but just how easy, like, is it for people to truly go on and use this? If they, if they were using spots and made that a part of their daily life, what would that mean to them? As someone like you that actually has been a coach. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, there's a huge time savings, especially, you know, when you're, you're wrestling, you know, I've, I've coached, I think I've logged about 10,000 volunteer hours coaching, youth and at one point I was president of a basketball club that had 600 kids or more and when you're trying to schedule all that out I mean you've got you know from fourth grade through eighth grade and you, you're trying to work with let's say a school district that gives you a discount which in our system we can build all those community 
groups and discounts in pretty easily. But when you're working with that, it's it's a challenge to to manage that scheduling from a couple different perspectives. Like number one, even just if, if the facilities are available, say from you know, after school hours at, or after work hours at five o'clock until as late as nine or 10 o'clock, you don't want the fourth graders practicing at nine o'clock, right? Because they've got to get to bed a little earlier. And so that creates a scheduling nightmare. And, and in our case, when it was running the basketball club, we we paid somebody you know, $10,000 a year to manage a spreadsheet and just work out that scheduling. And as a nonprofit, it's a big chunk of money. Um, you know, if that, if that organization were on spots, it'd be a lot less expensive and simple for us to just go on and book that all ourselves instead of trying to manage the spreadsheets back and forth. And even the cancellations, which became an old school phone tree. Mm-hmm. Um, if for instance, uh, the head coach at the high school baseball it was rainy outside. So we, they were taking over the gym. You know, that's a, that's an Allison. We're scrambling and calling, you know, 10, 15, 20 different parents um, to adjust that. So being able to create that efficiency and the, the, the money and time savings alone was pretty critical. And then the, the fact that it didn't have to be based on one community. If, if one community doesn't have an open space, I can quickly see one in a neighboring community that may be convenient and we can keep moving and, and kind of take care of the kids that way. Yeah. And that was a lot of the recreation side of things. I think with parks specifically too, shelters and open spaces like fields. I mean, I was just at one the other day too, and uh parked near our house where they, there's a brand new, beautiful shelter. And other than maybe on the door where there was a contact number, a lot of those processes to book and reserve these, these community available spaces, even at parks is still a phone call or an email where you're kind of at the mercy of this person even checks it or gets back to you, which most times is never when it's convenient for you. So this is another way beyond recreation for the parks too, to make sure that these facilities are more available, creating that better user experience, you know, just to, to bridge that gap between these resources that people essentially are funding through taxes. I mean, is there anything you want to comment on that at all? Cause I feel like that's a huge sell that people just kind of let slide by. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can get into a lot of detail around that. I think fundamentally speaking, even public schools and the referendums, and we have a number of schools that post their spaces on, on spots as well. And those are all spaces that we, we should as a community have access to. A lot of times we just don't know, or the particular organization just doesn't have the me- mechanism to make it aware. If you call a local school district and say you want to rent a room or reserve a room, odds are they're going to let you. Now, COVID and rules may change some of that right now, but generally speaking, that's out there. Do most of the public know that they can just do that? Probably not, even though we're paying the taxes for, for them, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, once you know, kind of the dream realized, the more we get these spaces on spots, whether they're for free to reserve or for a fee, um, the more accessibility we can create, which ultimately is one of our big goals, right? Accessibility to anyone, regardless of, you know, background, income, race, color, whatever it may be. We want to create more accessibility to the amazing spaces we have in our communities of all kinds um, for people that to get great access and, and just kind of know what's around them. So just elevating that awareness and making it really easy to do so in a format that most of the world is used to working within. You know, it's, it's not necessarily germane to any of us to call a Parks and Rec to figure out, hey, I want to have a practice. That's not the first call I would make because I mm-hmm. didn't grow up learning that way. I would think I got to figure out who has a gym and then go there. Right. Um, this kind of levels that playing field for anyone 
um, and then you know allows you to to search and sort. And then if you're part of specific groups or organizations or clubs or communities that have set discounts, that's built in as well, and it'll, it'll just know that and and make that experience pretty easy. I mean, I could go find a a gym to play basketball in a Minneapolis right now on our system in a matter of I could, I could find it, check my amenities, and book it in probably about I don't know I'd say inside of two minutes mm -hmm. uh, without having to make a phone call. Yeah, so it sounds like there's definitely a lot of benefits to the um, community and the people actually using this service. But let's switch and kind of start focusing on organizations who are using spots. Um, so one major benefit to spots is that you can have everything in one place and it is actually more affordable sometimes to use spots and then a separate accounting software than to use the things parks and recreation facilities are currently using. Um, could you touch a little bit about that? Yeah, that's a yeah, excellent question. So uh, there's, there's a big range in parks and rec and what they use for software. There are, there are specific softwares out there they're basically like the ERPs of running a full end back end of a parks and rec system. I mean, they're pretty, pretty big, um, robust, great pieces of software, um, work really well for the biggest complex organizations, maybe not quite so well for the small ones. There's a, but there's, there's definitely good players in this space. We really want to take that and level the playing field from a, from a space perspective. So, you know, I, <laughs> I'm on demos with people that, like I said, run carbon copies, spreadsheets, or they may have another system, but to add the module to that system that helps manage the spaces is really expensive. We wanted to make it really inexpensive and super lean and about the community first, but then have the, all the robust tools behind the scenes. So organizations can, can set up customized groups with discounting. They can choose to have people pay with a credit card online or invoice separately and, or a mix of that. Um, you know, they can do all the reporting from an accounting perspective on a transaction side. They can, really get as detailed as they want on the space side and, and how they build out each space and, and put pictures and maps and the different naming conventions, the, the floor size, the field size, the, the amenities that may be there. If somebody wants to, you know, have a baby shower at a, at a pavilion or park and it, it says they need the electricity turned on, we, we can help them with that work order if, or if they, you know, there's four or five picnic tables there, um, but they need more, you know, they, they can alert, you know, whoever they're renting from, if it's set up that way that they, you know, for an extra $5 each, they'll drop off more picnic tables or, or maybe that's free depending, but that's completely customizable by the park with threaded messaging. So in a very lean way, they can publish all their places on our platform and have a very robust way to manage all those spaces and make it accessible to the community without having to bog themselves down with really large implementations of software. Um, we can bolt on to whatever they have now or they can you know, use whatever they're using on the back end and, and just use our piece from the, for the um, community engagement and, and publication on their spaces side. So we feel it's pretty lean and robust. Uh, it's lean on the implementation side, but the tools and the things that a park can do with it is, is pretty robust. And so we really have those two focuses. How do we make it really simple for the community? And how do we take a lot of pressure off the staff at the Parks and Rec and make it an easier and, and more cost-effective solution? Cool. Yeah, that that sounds awesome. I mean, it, from from a lot of these, I mean, we've all been a part of different teams and gone through different implementations in our in our own industries too. And you know, the um, 
got a question about adoption coming up, but one of the things I want to circle back on is something you mentioned earlier. Um, and that's was budget cuts. Um, let's start there. Let's start with the definition of a small community in America, just to set the tone of, of what that means and what, where most of these people are that are using these and work up from there with budget cuts. Yeah. You know, a few things that within what you said, I think from a community perspective, when you, there's a few stats out there, so it depends on incorporated or unincorporated, but generally speaking, the average size city in the U S is between 10 and 20,000. And for a city of that size, I mean, you know, it's pretty cost effective and, and they don't necessarily have the budget. Now in some communities, depending on where they are, you can look at a, a Breckenridge, for example, that's a very small community, but because the tourist is very wealthy, um, and, and decent sized budget because of what they cater to. So depending on the type of community, their access to, to great software is pretty limited or team. So they, they look at this as kind of a big purchase that they need to go to a council decision. And then we're talking tens of thousands of dollars. And that's just not the case with spots. I mean, our smallest communities can, you know, the, the real small ones, few spaces the manager can be on for as low as $1,200 a year. And still have all those tools. So where we start is way lower than where other people start. Um, from for one example, um, but just you know, the, the bigger picture is this whole idea that it's not about the necessarily the Chicago's and New York cities of the world. It's all these one and two people staff. I was on the phone the other day with a gentleman that runs a parks and rec. He's one year from retirement, and he has two part-time retired people that help him, and that's his team, right? So if and he's out of the office. 80, 90% of the time at the parks. So when somebody wants to rent one of their spaces, which they have a number for rent, that's pretty painful for them. They got to catch him in the office. They got to pop in. Um, he's got to check email off hours, something like that. But if he had a way of just publishing all that or leaning on us to kind of get that all up there for him and make that accessible, it starts to drive revenue. And that's the other big piece of this is they, these parks are finding out that if they make it more accessible to find their space and create some exposure, which we do through digital marketing and a lot of other, other ways. Um, we're pretty aggressive about that. It's, it's raising kind of the awareness of what they have. Um, and what, if they rent a particular space once more a year, they're pretty much covering the cost of our solution. So it does, it isn't necessarily a drain on budget. It's more a matter of, um, it, it frees up time, which is additive to their budget. They can do more with less and then they can also drive additional revenue. So, we're pretty confident in the ROI we bring to the table. It's just changing the thinking of a lot of the parks and rec that this isn't a giant system. You need to rip and replace something that's going on and implement. It's really lean. Average size community be set up in less than half a day, off and running, taking payments online and, and uh, moving forward. Well, so you just said that um, an organization can be set up in less than a day. Could you give us a little bit more insight onto that? If an organization actually wanted to make the switch to spots, how long would the setup take? And is it a difficult process? No, it's a matter of, you know, we need a few things. We need descriptions, which are usually readily available off an organization's website. Um, better the photos help. Um, we allow you to upload photos and maps of your locations. That can be done in initial setup or built that out and edited and changed and made better over time. So that's super simple. All we really need is descriptions on, on three levels. We look at an organization, organizations have facilities, and then facilities have spots for spaces. And we need the info on those things. So what what is your organization? That's pretty easy to find right out the website. And what are the different facilities you'd like to, to make people aware of? And then what are the amenities um, at that facility? 
and then the spaces that are reservable. And at the space level, that's where the magic kind of happens of all the detail. Um, we just want to know what do you call your spaces? Who do you allow to play in them? Um, is there an age limit? Is there a particular uh, rules and restrictions on that space that we need to put, put in and just the information? So it's really, I kind of want to almost throw it back to the Parks and Rec at that point and say, or the organization in general, it depends on how fast they get us that information. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they get that to us, they're off and running and able to take able to take payments and reservations and probably, like I say, average size community half a day, a community of two, 300,000 with two or 300 spaces to manage may take a, a full day to a day and a half, just making sure we've tested and, and made sure everything works perfectly, but pretty quick. Yeah, wow, that is quick. <laughs> I, I've, I've personally been a part of some implementation phases too that have, you know, larger organizations, uh, part of manufacturing, so not comparing apples to apples, but I mean, they went on for a couple of years. <laughs> so that sounds it's almost too good to be true in that window, but that's impressive. Uh, James, our next thing too is kind of that adoption phase. Actually, this just goes for both of you. I'm going to actually throw this back at Ashley. Um, Ashley, in college, uh, you shared with us that you worked for a Parks and Recs team in La Crosse, Wisconsin, correct? Yep. Yeah. And I was- you were there for like a year and a half, you said? Yep. You yeah. want to share just some like some of the, your experience with, um, there was a program there. I'm not expecting you to name drop here, but maybe you could just share what your experience with, with using a different uh, management uh, booking, resource management booking platform there. Yeah, so during college, I worked front desk at a neighborhood center in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Um, and basically the front desk person is in charge of anyone in the community who comes in throughout the day or calls to book um, different rooms in the community, book parks for things like grad parties, all of that, basically exactly what Spots is doing. Um, the program I used there was really difficult to learn. However, we had initial training of about half a day, about four hours, and that was just to get the very basics. And then each month we had about three to four additional hours of training. Um, every Friday, our boss would just take us in for like an hour and train us on a new feature. So, I mean, after six months of working there, I didn't even know how to book a grad party yet because that was too complicated. And even at the end of one and a half years, I didn't feel fully confident in in putting all of the information in, you know, how many chairs do you want? How do you want it set up? Um, The program I was using, it was just really difficult. And if you made one mistake, you had to start all the way over at the beginning. And um, it was just, so coming from experience with that, I can tell you, is a lot more user-friendly for both the organization and the user because I have been both. Um, And I know the struggles that are going on currently in the park and rec facilities to manage these things. Oh my gosh. I feel stressed just hearing that. (laughs) It's it's interesting to say that because having, you know, having run bigger companies in my past, like the first thing I hear when you say it is I've got a college student that I know likely won't be here forever that I'm spending not just your time, but whoever manages you's time as well, yeah. training. So you're spending a lot of time training somebody who's not going to be there for the long term. That's just, that's a huge resource drain as far as cost. And again, yeah. part of why we want to do what we're doing, but there's just a lot better ways to handle technology these days and not, it's real easy to, for all of us, right? We, we want to overbuy the features and 
and solutions that we need, whether we're shopping for a car or mm -hmm. <laughs> it's really hard to let go once you have it. Like I remember the first time I bought a car that had heated seats for my wife and I, you know, we will never have a car without heated seats for again <laughs> once you add that. But is that really necessary, right? Maybe in Wisconsin, you could argue that that is, but but it's the same thing with, with some of the parks and rec. I think it, it's hard to remove yourself from all those tools and, and think about, all right, if I'm really focused on budget and I'm really focused on engagement in the community, what do I need? And I And the community is not gonna care about how you do your accounting or how you manage things behind the scenes or how you trained Ashley, they're just not. And Ashley's amazing, I'm sure, but <laughs> they, that's just not what anybody, I just, I wanna know where can I go practice with my fourth graders next week because the gym I was in flooded. And I would like to find that information now at 9 p.m. when I found out about it and I'm not gonna get a hold of anybody, but how do I get that off my plate and move on? or whatever it is, or, or something happened and I can't, you know, we, we were planning this 80th birthday celebration for grandma, and now COVID says we can't go to this restaurant we were planning to go to, what else can we do? So is there an open space that's, that's more appropriate that I can find quickly and shift gears? I mean, we're, I'm in the middle of doing it right now for family Christmas. Like, it's, we can't put the grandparents at risk, so how do we get everybody together in a safe way and let you know, grandma, grandpa still feel like it's meaningful, but can't sit outside in a circle in December in Wisconsin. So, um, you know, are there alternatives? And that, that's kind of the, what we're trying to solve, do it in a really lean, simple and feature rich way. You kind of answered my question for you was just kind of like, in addition to the setup window was just on the organization side, um, that adoption phase, you know, again, using a lot of CRM system, ERP systems, I know, and all of our, our previous roles, uh, a lot of that success is determined by the team, internal team's adoption of using a program. And SPOTS has everything from um, work order form. So everything from leadership and management to the support crews out in the field are also in communication. Um, if you want to go further, James, you can, but I feel like you answered a little bit. I mean, the big thing here is just adoption, making sure the team buys into it and uses it to create a better user experience for the community is, is yeah. a huge uh, pivotal point in success of these programs. Yeah, I think the only thing I would add is when you talk about adoption, adoption is an interesting subject when you look at software. I mean, adoption can be looked at how quickly do people really you know, adopt or get engaged with the software or if you're looking at a group, let's say there's five people on a team that need to quote unquote adopt the software, each one of those five people are looking at one thing, one thing only initially is how does this help me? How does this make my day easier? So that's really what adoption is and understanding those different people. And I would say if it's Ashley working the front counter, it's how do I stop the phone calls and people walking in, asking a bunch of questions about a space and amenities that they could really look up themselves whenever they want. If I'm the maintenance person, I want to know if somebody rented this um, this football field. I want to know if I need to have it relined for soccer, right? I don't need. I shouldn't be 15 phone calls in trying to figure that out or emails. Mm -hmm. Just tell me, hey, by 9 a.m. on Saturday, this field needs to be prepped for for playing soccer, um, and that's just auto generated an email. So that that's what matters to that particular person. Or if there's a rain out, I don't want to have to. Which one of our big parks and rec used to have a uh, call in line for rainouts, and if it was raining on the east side of town, they had to cancel everything. 
it was only the easiest way they had to do it. Even though on the left side, it may not be rain at all, then you've got to upset customers who really want to play their softball game and are out there maybe waiting to the field perfectly fine out and they don't understand that. So that simplified mm -hmm. communication, be able to click and cancel an event to be able to rest the field if it's wet or it's had overuse or a pipe burst somewhere, like the, the, the simplicity of being able to go in and click a button and, and communicate with everybody um, just specifically to where the issue may be instead of blanket across the community is, is pretty powerful. But adoptions about each one of those people and understanding how to communicate it um, in a clear way and how it benefits them. And I think we've done a fairly good job of that and we're learning every day and, and uh, we can, we can turn around extra features pretty quick to, to solve some of those problems. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, so spots is generally a newer software. Are there any groups? I know the Madison um, ultimate Frisbee association MUFA is already using Spots, could you tell us a little bit about their experience with it? Yeah, you know, it's kind of what I said earlier. I mean, they, they, the biggest thing for them is simply time, right? Instead of three, three weeks of going back and forth with emails, which is what it took to book their 4,500 hours, mm -hmm. their exec director, um, MUFA was given priority one. So Madison on their side, Madison Parks can set set um, the priority level that group is one or in the spaces that they can have and then block those to other organizations um, so that it's only for priority one and they gave the exec director of MUFA time to go in book everything they need um, in an hour they alert the the parks that they've done it and now the parks can move all those spaces to the next priority level or open up for everyone in the public to book so they took care of a long-standing customer that, that pays them a lot of money for that space and then you know, can manage the, the available space after that and open up to the public. So that's a great use case, I think, just because of the pure time savings. And then allowed the exec director who, you know, <laughs> being the exec director of an ultimate Frisbee association isn't a full-time job. So, um, you know, having to do that during the day when the park was open was a pretty good drain. So allowing them to go book this space in the evening or whatever is convenient for them was pretty, pretty important. Mm -hmm. And then the Madison Basketball Club, or I'm sorry, Middleton Basketball Club that I used to run is another good example where, you know, could have, we as a club would have gladly paid, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars a year to have the, the school. We would have bought the software for the school to let them run, um, you know, their gym spaces on it versus paying $10,000 a year for a scheduler to work in a spreadsheet and go back and forth and figure that out. So, there's a lot of opportunities to be had out there. We've got a number of groups from Parks and Rec to private sports facilities, school districts, uh, anybody with a community space they, they want to make available to the public is a target for us. But that's that's our focus and, uh, and the time savings is a pretty explainable thing. Cool. Um, so I found this quote from a large Parks and Rec um, organization and I'm just going to read it quick and then I just this is about their experience with their current um, facility programming and I just want to know once I read this if you could tell me that this is common it, since you've been talking to park and rec organizations is this something that you think all of them are facing so it says using an established reservation system we faced constant challenges with functionality and management and end user perspective 
Users had limited insight into their reservations and we could not accurately provide detailed, timely updates to those users. Every process was incredibly time consuming. My team and I would still have to process paper submissions, review voice messages, and roll out blanket statements to end users, which was very labor intensive and allowed us to collect crucial operational data and it did not allow us to collect crucial operational data and effectively communicate with team members and end users. Um, so do you think that, like, as we've talked about, those are all issues that spots could solve, but do you think that this is actually a common issue in a lot of park and rec organizations? Yeah, it's, it is. And it's funny. That's a, that's a, giant quote and a, yes. that sounds like a frustrated user to because it's, it's very detailed but yeah it's it's a and it's interesting it's a budget problem more than anything um you know there's some big software solutions that do this and they're really expensive um they're still complex i mean that's why they're that's why they're expensive right and running a full-on parks and rec is not an easily solvable problem from a software perspective but it's you know, so I think this is very common. I think it's 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 even more common probably in the smaller <laughs> parks and rec that are just forced to do a lot of things manually. Um, but ultimately for us, I think the, the focus on what is the greatest pain and how do we create that connecting point from, from and, and there's gotta be some simplicity to solving some of the needs of a parks and rec in an efficient cost-effective way while increasing community engagement. And everything that's out there, I, I feel like this is common because they, you know, if Parks and Rec has to determine two things, you know, can can we afford it, and in what resource drain will that have? Because those two things are expensive for them, and 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 they're kind of stuck in the the ways of how Parks and Rec have been run for you know decades, and it's 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 with solving one problem or the other and we're trying to be in the middle of it make it really easy for the community take a lot of the pressure off the parks and rec and and not try to solve the big picture of you know building yet another system that runs a parks and rec and makes that you know expensive again so i think that's super common i think those people have the, the, the just some great people works in parks and rec that are very passionate about what they do and sometimes, you know, pretty stressed about the, the ways in which they have to go about it, which is purely tied to budgets. So we're trying to soften that and, and actually help them drive additional revenue um, to ease that pain a little bit and, and take some of the phone calls and emails away. Next. Yeah, the James, I mean, this has been eye-opening. We're kind of entering our, our recap phase here and what's next? What, what is spots aiming to achieve in the parks and recs world? Uh, and, you know, if we were to circle back with you later on and, and maybe do a recap in this area, what would you hope to have achieved? Yeah, I think the, 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 the fun part is how do we reach the communities that are on the smaller side that just don't have the budget and can't afford to do this because there, there's now a solution for them that makes sense and, and makes their life easier. So yeah, we'd love to sign on all the, the bigger communities and the Madisons of the world and, and even larger. Um, but there's a lot of communities out there in the, in the five to, you know, 75,000, you know, population range that some may have good solutions. Most likely do not, or have pieces of that. And that's really our focus. If we had a couple hundred of those, um, you know, it, it 
a year from now, if we have another couple hundred, two, three hundred of those, I, I think you know that's a great win for us and a great win for the communities and creates a lot of spaces for people out there to find. So it's the awareness, it's the taking the pain off, and it's you know us growing and being able to do something fun along the way. So we're we help people get easier access to places to have a great time and and fun with our tagline, where you want to be, you can replace that B with anything, where you want to play or celebrate, whatever it may be. Like that's that's what we want to bring. So we can bring the fun and uh, stay profitable along the way. That's a great benefit for us. And I think we can do that by solving a lot of the problems for um, you know these parks people that are, that are stressed and have limited ways to engage with their community. And now and do that in a safe, responsible way that creates accessibility for anyone. I mean, most people have access to the internet, whether it's, you know, a short walk to a library or whatever to look at that. But if we can show them the amazing places that they can find around them, uh, that'll make me happy. Awesome. Um, we really learned a lot about Parks and Rec and how they use spots, but in the future, we would love to circle back and learn more about how spots is making an impact in all other spaces, such as like athletic facilities and then just private businesses as well as nonprofits. Um, so in the future, we would love to have you back to talk about those things. Great. Yeah. I'd love to be part of it and, um, and have more conversations that get people engaged in the community. Cool. Excellent. Cool. Well, this has been great. This has been eye-opening. We can't wait to get this posted and shared with the world. James, thanks for joining us. And thanks for everyone for listening to the Spots Light podcast, uh, where we want to shed light on community spaces and resources. Make sure to follow us on whatever platform you're listening on. Leave a review and a rating and follow us on our social media handles at Find Spots. See you next time. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to follow Spots Light on whatever platform you love leave a review and a rating, and follow Spots on social media at Find Spots.